comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, the message version, it said, time passed. Somebody say, time passed. Came brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Verse 4. And also, Abel also brought an offering back from the first animals of his head. Choice cut of meat. God liked Abel and his offering. Amen. There's something unique about offerings in scripture. There are many things in scripture, but one of the things that we see that is unique in scripture is offering. God has a certain disposition towards offering in scripture. Last week, I told you that the first thing to be mentioned in scripture was not prayer. It was not praise and worship that was done first in the Bible. The first thing that was done was that a human being gave an offering to God. And God responded. The Bible said God liked Abel and his offering. God liked Abel and his offering. When you learn to give and to give with the right attitude, there are certain unusual blessings that attend to you. We are not into the blessings yet. We are just at the foundational stage exploring what it means to give offerings. Because in the book of Malachi chapter 3, so the Bible actually opens with uh, offerings and it ends with offerings. The Old Testament, it began with offerings and then it ended with offerings. In Genesis, we are told about offerings. And then in Malachi, God is speaking. And in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8, he said, Will a man rob God? In the King James, he said, Wherein have you robbed him? Then he says, In tithes and in offerings. Tithes and in offerings. When Jesus was born, do you know the first thing people did was not to praise or pray? They went to give unto him. So, in the New Testament, when the church was born, the first thing they did, among many things, was to give. So, when the Holy Ghost came, they started giving. Some sold their land, they sold all kinds of things, and they brought it. So, there is something unique about offerings that every child of God must get, catch. There are people who know how to pray, they don't know how to give. You will struggle. I am telling you, it's not a case, but you will go through a lot of wahala. Because you see, there are keys in the scriptures. Things that offerings do, prayer will not do. Things that fasting and prayer will do, offering cannot do it. And things that offerings are supposed to do, there is no way. If you look at the woman Azarafat, if she had fasted all she wanted, but had refused to release the offering that Elisha demanded, she would have died. She would have died anyway. She would have prayed. God will be there and it's as if God is not answering. Sometimes certain things you should give your way out you are praying about. That's why sometimes certain things delay. Certain breakthroughs are dragged on for unnecessary period of time. But I pray that in this season of new chapters, God will visit someone. May God visit someone. Give me a believing amen. amen. Unlike the tithe that we owe God and God demands that we bring it. As for offerings, they are gifts we bring to God. Praise God. An offering is a gift willingly given. An offering expresses your love for the one you are giving it to. So last week, we touched on about six truths about offerings. Scriptural truth about offering. And I usually like to teach with truth because, you see, a lot of debate can go on. But there is only one place we find the truth. They can debate about giving an offerings on radio. But there is only one place, the truth, about offerings and givings can be found. And it is only in the scriptures. The Bible says you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's why the knowledge of the scriptures is critical. We touched on a few things. We said, number one, God delights in offerings. Number two, God demands offerings. Number three, God responds to offerings. Number four, God 
rate offerings. Somebody say God rate offerings. Say God rate offerings. So God delights in offerings. God demands offerings. God responds to offerings. God rates offerings. Every time we come to church and we bring an offering, God rates it. He rates everybody's offering. He says, I like this one. I don't like this one. I like this one. I don't like this one. I like this one. I don't like this one. May God accept your offering. That you put it in the offering basket and the church carried it away does not mean that heaven has accepted it. And when heaven does not accept it, rewards are not guaranteed. This church does not produce rewards for anybody who gives anything. It is God who rewards. The Bible said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Nobody rewards anyone. God is the rewarder. And for God to reward you, he must find your gift acceptable. Paul was speaking in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, I have all I abound, having received of Ephraditus, the things which were sent to me, a sacrifice acceptable, a well-pleasing unto God. Then he goes on to say, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you don't get the text I quote, don't quote the wrong thing to confuse people. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Philippians 4, 8 and 19. Then we said God rewards offerings. Somebody said God rewards offerings. And then we also said that the offerings we give to God cannot always be in private. Amen? The offerings we give to God cannot always be in private. There are some people, their mantra for giving is Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, the New Living Translation. That's their mantra. Every giving is addressed like that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. New Living Translation. Watch out that you don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't do it as a hypocrite. Blowing trumpets in the synagogue and street to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. Verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How many of us have heard this before? Yeah. It's not always the case that your right hand should not know what your left hand is doing. Praise God. So that people, when they come to church meetings and an offering is called, we say, these people, how many of them can give this? They get so offended. We don't do it here. But it is not unscriptural for that to be done. When you go into scriptures, we see the account of things people gave. We saw most, uh, what do you call it? Uh, David gave so much talents of gold. When you calculate everything David put together, a modern day currency in dollars is about 36 billion. He gave. David alone gave that. Praise God. David. In the book of Acts, we are told that some of them sold their lands and they put a name there, one by the name of Levite. He saw this land and brought the money. So it's not a matter. When you are not schooled in the scriptures, you behave yourself. It's always important. The fact that we don't practice something does not mean that the scriptural justice to which should not be done. Praise God. It's always important. I remember a couple of years ago, I think a year or two ago, uh, at uh, one Greater West Conference, an offering was raised by Pastor Matthew Ashimolo, and it was all over the social media. And a lot of ignorant Christians were also talking. Don't be an ignorant Christian. Praise God. Christians, our matter is not on radio. It's not on radio. We do our things. Everything you come to church and it's done, before you contribute about that thing on radio, check from the scriptures and find out what is written there. Find out what does the scripture say. Because all of these things were not there for nothing. If you go into the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4, let's look at it. And that should guide your approach to scripture. Everything in scripture is written for our learning. It says, such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. They were written to teach us. Some, I think the, uh, the King James say, all of these things were written for our learning. Somebody say, our learning. All the things that are written there, that Solomon married 300 wives, is written for our learning. There's a lesson you can pick from there. Everything in scripture is there for our learning. So when they record that Solomon gave 1,000 offerings to the Lord, it's for our learning. There are some people, they don't want to give, so they, they just use it as a way to do things. No. Somebody say an amen. amen. 
Say an amen to the Lord. Can I continue teaching? Now this morning I'm looking at the biblical basis for offerings. Offerings. When we say we are giving offerings, we need to understand where it's coming from, the whole context. Why is it necessary for us to come with offerings? Why is it necessary that every time you come to church, there must be an offering? Why is it necessary that there are times we say we are receiving a special offering for a special purpose? Why is it necessary? Where is the scriptural basis for it? Is it really something that is worth doing? Or is something that is came out of some conjecture somewhere? Or some pastors are using? No. Let's look at the scriptural basis for it. Now, the necessity of offerings. Offerings are necessary in our work with God because, number one, they form an integral part of our worship. It, is an, it forms an integral part of our worship. When we say something is an integral part, it's an essential part. Very important aspect of our worship. Our worship of God will never be complete without our offerings. Our offerings, our offerings, our offerings. It, it completes, it's like a cycle. It goes and it ends there. there must, that's, it must always be a part of it. It must always be a part of it. Look at Psalm 96 verse 8 to 9. Look at how the Bible puts it. He said, give to the Lord glory he deserves. You came to church, we have given God the glory he deserves. We have praised him, we have danced, we have celebrated him. Then he said, bring offering and come into his courts. That means that without offering, you may even not be qualified to enter the courts. Bring your offering. Now, it's not, you don't enter the court just with singing and praises. Praise God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So, praise and worship opens the gate. But to enter the court, come with your offering. Ask your neighbor, where is your offering? There are people who come to church and they only end at the gate, not the court. Praise God. When you go to the Kumasi High Court, any of the high courts, and you hang around outside the court, you have a case, and you don't go to any of the courtrooms and you hang around, the case can never be settled, true or false. It is only in the court. And that court too, the judge must be seated. Praise God. That's where your case can be addressed. And the Bible says, come into, give to the Lord the glory due that he deserves. Bring an offering and come into his cause. Go to verse 7, verse 9. He said, worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. So, when we come with our heart, with our music, and our offering is in our hand, then we are ready to worship. Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 14. Genesis 22 and verse number 4 and 5. The Bible said, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Verse 5. When he saw the place, this is what Abraham said. Abraham said to his young, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Praise God. Abraham is on his way to worship God. And in his hand is his offering. Isaac carried him with him. He told his uh, servants, you can stay here. But the next level I'm going, I have to go alone. And I'm going there with Isaac, who is my offering. Offerings are important to God. And the reason why God expects that offerings will always be a part of our lives is because it is one thing that is always trying to unseat God in our lives. Somebody say money. money. It's the only thing that is always trying to unseat God in our lives. It's always, 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 always. Always trying to unseat God. Look at Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. Malachi 1, 11 and 12. He said, I'm honored all over the world and there are people who know how to worship me all over the world. Who honor me by bringing me their best. Bringing their best to me. They are saying it everywhere. God is greater. This God of the angel army. Go to verse 12. He says, all except you. Instead of honoring me, you profane me. How do you profane me? You profane me when you say, worship is not important. And what we bring to God is of no account. Are you following? Worship is not important and what we bring to God is of no account. Praise God. There are some people, they say, they, they, they can only be comfortable in church when the church stops talking about money. Let me tell you, the church that stops talking about money ceases to be a church. Am I communicating to somebody? The day the church stops talking about money, God cannot even be in the church. Because money is a little God for many people. And one of the proofs 
that you have dethroned money from your heart and God has become the center of your life is your ability to let go money easily. Any offering that you find it too difficult to give is a God in your life. 1,000 Ghana is difficult for you to give. It's a God in your life. 10,000 Ghana, difficult to give. It's a God in your life. God speaks to you and the weight is so much on you. It's a God in your life. In the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. Matthew 6, 24. Help me, Jesus. Matthew 6, 24. You cannot worship two gods once. Loving one God, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feels contempt for the other. You can worship God and money both. Praise God. If you really, really want God to be the master and Lord of your life, prove it by your money. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. Number two, our offerings expresses our deep love and devotion to God. Somebody say, my deep love. My deep love. Say, my deep love, my deep love and devotion for God. When you are devoted to God and you love God deeply, it shows in what you give to God. One woman in the book of Luke chapter 7 brought a whole year's wages or salary. She saved up her salary for one whole year and bought a precious ointment and poured it on the feet of Jesus. A whole year's. And when Jesus was talking, he says, this woman loves much. She gave this much because she loves much. The Bible says, greater love had no man than this, that the man will lay down his life for his friend. You see, your ability to lay down is a function and a proof, a practical, tangible proof, without any shadow of doubt of the authenticity of your love. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 4, this is what the Bible says. He says, Solomon loved the Lord. Somebody say, he loved the Lord. 1 Kings 3.3, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. Now look at what followed his love. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. When he could have offered one, when he could have offered two, when he could have offered three, he chose to do a thousand. Why? Because he loved the Lord. Because he loved the Lord. Listen, most people give and sometimes they say, I'm not seeing top. You won't see top. Because there is something that makes giving deliver. And it makes it deliver its utmost to you. And that is love. There are many scriptural motivations for giving. But none is as great as love. Praise God. The Bible says, if I speak with the voice of men and the, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels and I have no love, it profited me nothing. He said, if I have faith and I could speak to mountains and move them and I have no love, it profited me nothing. He said, if I give my body to, I mean, how much can you give? People can give money. But the ultimate a person can give is his life. He says, if I give my body to be bent and I have no love, it profited me nothing. You are giving your tithe, let it come out of love. You are giving an offering, let the bedrock of the offering be love. That you love God, that you love his house, that you love his kingdom, that is critical. Number three, an offering is an act of obedience to God. And an offering is an act of obedience. We bring offerings as an act of obedience to God. God demands offerings, God delights in offerings. I said God demands what? Offerings and he delights in offerings. So when we bring our offering in response to a demand from God, we are responding in obedience to God and God honors our obedience. Exodus chapter 25 verse 1 and 2. Exodus 25, 1 and 2. The Bible said, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, verse 2, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. With his heart you shall take my offering. Now come to Exodus. So God speaks to Moses. He said, go and tell the children of Israel, let them bring me an offering. Everybody should give from his heart. Now go to 34 and verse, 35 and verse number 4 and 5. 34, the same place. 35 please. Exodus 35 verse 4, 4 to 5. Moses spoke, spoke unto the children of Israel. 
Saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Saying, look at verse 5. He says, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Take note, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Now, let's go to verse 20 to 22. This is where they responded in obedience. Verse 20 to 22. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Verse 2, 21. The Bible says, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, for all his service, and for all, for the holy garment. And they came, verse 20, they brought as God demanded. Praise God. Do you know that every time we appear before God, God demands an offering from us? Praise God. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 15, he said, none shall appear before me empty. Exodus 23, 15. He says, thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread, thou shalt eat unleavened bread. Then when you go to the last bit, he said, none shall appear before me empty. Now go again to Exodus 34, verse 20. Exodus 34, 20. He says, but the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you would not redeem, then you shall break his neck, and all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Now, ex Deuteronomy 16, 16. None shall appear before me empty-handed. Deuteronomy 16, 16. Can we see that quickly? Three times all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose. At the feast of unleavened bread, that and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Praise God. So our worship of God must always be accommodated or accompanied by our offerings. And I like this one so much. Number four, we, we offer to God out of gratitude and love. Our offering, number four, demonstrate the depth of our gratitude to God. The depth of our gratitude to God. The depth of our gratitude to God. It's one thing saying I'm grateful and it's another thing showing I am grateful. Gratitude must not only be said, it must also be shown. Praise God. When we are grateful to people, we must show it. When we are grateful to God, we must show it. And one biblical way to demonstrate gratitude to God is by the quality of the offerings we bring to God. In the book of Psalm 1, 1 says, and the verse number 12 to 14, the King James says, What shall I render to the Lord? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What shall I render? So David is just going through his mind, going through his life. How can I repay God if I take stock of my life? If I go into my life, go into my infancy, go into my work, go into my family, go into all the things, all my life experiences, see where I started my job from, see where God has brought me. If I look at, take a holistic inventory of my life, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefit? I could have been dead now, but I'm alive. What shall I render? to the Lord for all his benefit. That, now, now, that's what David was saying. That's exactly what David was saying. What shall I give back? In fact, the message version it puts it in a very interesting way. Give me verse 50. What can I give back to the Lord for the blessings he's poured out on me? Praise God. What can I give back? People who are ungrateful find it very difficult to give. Praise God. When you are grateful for salvation, giving is easy. All of us were bound for hell. None of us had a future. But here we are today, alive, sanctified, and bought, ordained for heaven. Praise God. This is one of the, in fact, for David, this was more valuable than anything. When he was counting the benefits of God, you, you, you have to look at David and learn from him because he says, uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is with him, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. David is looking for a reason to thank God and to bless him. And he began to list them one after the other. And I didn't see a car there. I didn't see a wife there. I didn't see a house there. I didn't see a child there. I didn't see any of that. Are they bad? They are not bad. But there are most important things. There are things that must be first on your list. Am I communicating somebody? He said, what shall I give to the, for all his benefit? Go to verse 2. He says, who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Verse 3. Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? So that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. Listen. If you go into David's life, and he's one of the people I will teach the dividends of giving from, from his life. Grateful people never struggle to give. The, uh, the man, Noah, came out of a flood. Deluge, flood. Everybody on the planet was destroyed. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Genesis 6, 5 to 6. The Bible says, that and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Now, when God saw that man was wicked, this is what God decided to do. The Bible said, He repented the Lord that He had made man of the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. So, God is mad that I have created man, God is mad that He has made man. Then the Bible says in verse number 7, look at what God decided to do. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made. You see, what this scripture is saying is that Praise God. He regretted. Because when he looked at man, so, so, one sin after the other. It was just choking him. He got tired. He said, I'm going to destroy everybody. Now look at verse 8. But Noah found grace. May you find grace. Amen. I said, may you find grace. Amen. Let me tell you, there are things that happen to a lot of people. But in your case, it could have easily happened to you. You found grace. And when you find grace and you come out of what destroyed others, you must be mindful to demonstrate gratitude. Am I communicating here? Noah found grace. Noah found grace. When people are grateful, it always shows in what they give to God. Noah found grace. He knows he could have been dead. When he looks around him and he saw that everybody, every other human being he knew before, was destroyed. But he looked at himself and he could see himself. He could see his family. He could see his wife. He could see his children. He could see all of them. He said, but for the grace of God, I will not be where. Be. He said, Noah found grace. When Noah found grace, he came out of the flower. Let's look at how Noah behaved himself towards God. Uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. The Bible says, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Look at verse 21. And the Bible said, the Lord smelled a good, a sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, now look, let me not just uh, get ahead of myself. That is for next two weeks. Praise God. God smelled something. God said something before. But this time, human being provoked God to change his mind. In the initial phase, nobody told God to destroy man. God decided to destroy man. But in reversing that order, somebody had to take a certain decision. Let's look at one woman. When I look at this woman, I look at all of us. That's where all of us were. And some of us, unfortunately, are still there. But the mercy of God is hitting someone. This woman demonstrated massive gratitude like never before. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 48. New Living Translation, please. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. If you are going to be eating, don't be eating in the house of a Pharisee. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, 
She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, I like the way the Bible gives a holistic picture about the person. Because a lot of us with our religious mind, this is not the kind of person whose offering you should take. That's not the kind of offering. Pastor, wouldn't Papa wear Juma or your pan come for Nisika? That's it. But look at here. This woman came. The motivation. What brought her is what is important. Look, she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would, not, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Praise God. My question is, who were the Pharisees? Were they okay? Were they righteous people? They were not. They had their issues. Serious issues. When Jesus came on earth, eh, the people he had problems with most were the Pharisees. He, in fact, his sharpest rebukes were given to the Pharisees. Sometimes he called them as uh, dogs. He called them all kinds of names because they were very dangerous people. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. You, you never meet Jesus uh, throwing woes at anybody except the Pharisees. May every Pharisee spirit live your life. Amen. Praise God. The Bible said, if this woman knew, Jesus knew, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Because Jesus knew the thoughts that were running through him. So he started addressing them one after one. Then he started speaking. He said, Jesus told this man's story. A man loaned money to two people. Please take note because this is gratitude we are talking about here. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to each other, to the other. Verse 42. Then, but neither of them could repay, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. What do you suppose loved him more after that? Praise God. Now, one owes $500,000 Another owes $5,000 or even $500. And the one who owes half a million dollars couldn't pay. The other who owes $500 couldn't pay. Then he says, okay, if you can't pay, all of you are that you free, go. Now, if somebody is to be grateful, who will be more grateful? Obviously, the one with the higher amount. Now, look at this. <laughs> go on. He said, Simon, I suppose one... One for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus answered. Jesus always knew how to pin them down. He hardly ever, he would just lead you one after the other. And by the time you realize, you have realized that you have killed yourself. He brought, caught a woman in the act of adultery. They brought her, he said, ah, we caught this woman committing adultery alone. Yeah, because they brought the woman and the man was not there. So the woman was committing adultery alone. And you know what? You know which people brought the, they were all men. Because the Pharisees, if you're a woman, you couldn't join them. The Pharisees were all men. So the man was shaved that the woman who committed adultery alone was brought. And they carried stones in their hands, ready to stone her. Pharisee. May the Lord help us. One day I'll teach about scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> scribes and Pharisees. And you will see your own life behaving like one. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Because as I'm saying it, you can't see a Pharisee in you at all. But wait, when that day comes. Jesus said, go to verse number 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Sam, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came first, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Sex. You neglect. <laughs> you, uh, 
You neglected the curtsy of olive oil to anoint my hair, but she has anointed my feet with an uncommon perfume. Now look at verse number 47. He says, I tell you her sins, and they are many. You, the Pharisee, said this woman is a sinner. I want you to know that she's not just a sinner. She has multiplied sins. But because of what she's done, all of that doesn't matter anymore. Is somebody following what I'm teaching? It's, it doesn't matter anymore. Because she's, her sins were too many and they've been forgiven, she wouldn't mind spending a whole year's salary on Christ. Why? Because she was grateful. She was grateful. She was grateful. She was grateful. Why are you always debating 10% to pay or not to pay? Offerings to give or not to give. You are not grateful. You are not grateful. Maybe one of these days, while you are arguing like that, some angels will slap your face and then you'll be telling something. Praise God. Yeah, because one of the things God cannot stand is ingratitude. When so much has been done for you, and you are not even giving God so much, and the little you are giving even to God, you are complaining and murmuring about it. Grateful people give out of a heart of gratitude. I like this. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse number. Second Samuel 7. Verse 1 to 5. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house. This is King David. Sat in his house, King James, please. And the Lord had given him rest about round from his enemies. Then the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelled within curtains. Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in the house, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, go and tell my servant David, shall thou build me a house to dwell in? David sat down and looked at his life. And if you know David well, you know that he really came from far. Came from far, born illegitimately into a home. Not liked by his father, not liked by his brothers. And then the least in the family is the one who is sent to go take care of of sheep in the wilderness where he will be exposed to wild beasts. The bear and the lions were waiting for David. And his brothers who could shoot a gun were sent into the battlefront and David was left at the mercy of bears and lions. That was David. From the beginning, he didn't look like likely. When a king came to the house, an anointed prophet came to the house to anoint them. The Bible said they anointed everybody. They called for everybody except David. And you are also David. <laughs> I said David. Praise God. David. They didn't call him when they were making a call. But when men didn't call David, God called David. And God did not just call David. God called David and God blessed David. So when David experienced and enjoyed the blessing, he said, ah, what, what, what at all is about me? Look at where I'm living. And look at where God's house is living. I need, to, the ark of God is, I need to do something about it. So God told him, David, I don't need you to build me the house. But when God told him he shouldn't build, come to First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 to 3. Ah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Message version says, First Chronicles 23, 29, verse 1 to 3. Then the king addressed the congregation, my son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to do this. Verse 1 to 3, please. But he is young and untested and the work is huge. This is not just a place for people to meet each other, but a house for God to meet. That's, I, uh, that's a sermon. <laughs> that's a sermon. Verse 2, he says, I have done my best to get everything together for building this house for God. Now, you remember God told him he shouldn't build it. But he went ahead and built it. Made arrangement. All the materials necessary. Gold, silver, bronze, la, 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 all of that. Verse 3. Then he says, Furthermore, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond all what I've gathered, I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place, a, uh, this place of worship for my God. Now, do you know what motivated David to do this? It was gratitude. Somebody say gratitude. 
gratitude. That was what motivated David. Look at verse 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 to 10. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 to 10. King James says, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you, I took thee from the sheep court, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. Somebody say, I took you. That word is important. If you forget anything and everything, never forget where God picked you from. Somebody sang a song, Never forget it. People forget too quickly. People, for, they forget too quickly. So sometimes, God will actually tell them to build memorials so they don't forget. He told the children of Israel, I'm bringing you into a pleasant land. But when you come into the land, be careful you don't forget that I'm the Lord thy God that brought thee out of the land. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. When you used to pet with somebody, don't forget it. When you were adopted into a home and it didn't look like your future was going to happen, don't forget it. Never forget it at all. One of the things that cannot allow anything to stop my praise and to let me give everything and anything all out to God is because I've never forgotten that I could have been a mad person on the street. Praise God. I know some of you are tired of hearing it. I'm not tired of saying it. Praise God. I could. Easily. Easily. Standing here is not a privilege. Standing here is an opportunity. It's not a privilege at any time. It's an opportunity that cannot be abused. Never forget it. Some of us, where we are coming from, certain things we attempted in the past. You tried Libya, you could have died by now. Some of you have gone to all manner of places. And the man told you, as you are living, you are going to die. But today, you are still alive. But for the grace and the mercies of God. You can forget that. That Listen, when you hear that there is an offering going on, that's what should remind you. And if you have some money somewhere, you drop it. And without any uh, arrogance on your part going. Because what is it that you have that you didn't receive? That's David. David was speaking. Let me show you something. God embarrassed David. And David was speaking before God. Second Samuel 17, 18. Give me the contemporary English version. Yeah, verse 18 to 20, contemporary English version. This was when the king went to, the, the prophet told him that you are not going to bed. David went into the tent and he sat up for the sacred chest and he sat there and prayed, Lord all powerful, my family and I don't deserve what you have already done for us. Now, so this is, this is when you go, you can take time and read it. This is when God told David you are not going to bed it. But when he said you are not going to build it, he said your son after you is going to build it. Now, David in response to the opportunity that his family will build the house of God, began to speak to God. He said, me and my family, we don't deserve what you have done so far. And he said, and yet you have promised to do even more. Is this the way you usually treat people? That's David. Is it the way you usually treat people? Now, that, <laughs> that is also for next series. <laughs> That there is a way God does not usually treat people. Yeah. He only does it for people who understand the power of provoking with an offering. There is a certain treatment you provoke from God. By reason of your offering, no amount of prayer can do that. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. Number five, to demonstrate our honor and value and respect for God. When we give offerings, we are demonstrating our respect our honor and value for God. Somebody say, my respect. Say, my respect. My value. And my honor for God. My respect. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. He said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Amplified version. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I then am a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my reverend fear, says the Lord of hosts. He says, 
I'm a father, where is my honor? I'm a master, where is my fear? By verse 7. By offering polluted food upon my altar, you ask, how have you polluted thee and profaned you? By thinking that the table of the Lord is contemptible and may be despised. When you priests offer blind animals for sacrifice, is it not evil? He said, when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Present such a thing, a blind or a lame or sick animal. Now to your governor, in payment of your taxes, and see what will happen. Will he be pleased with you, or will he receive you graciously, says the Lord of hosts. Every time you are giving, make sure that what you are bringing to God honors God. Number six, we give to meet needs. We give to meet needs. Our offerings are given to meet needs. In the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 34, the good news says, there was no one in the group who was in need. Those who owed fields and houses will set them, bring the money received from the other side. The Bible said there was not one. Somebody say no one. No one was in the group was in need. How were their needs met? But the offerings of the people. Their needs were met through the offerings of the people. Look at Acts chapter 11 verse 27 to 30. Amplify version. Acts 11 verse 27 to 30. And during those days, prophets, inspired teachers, and interpreters of divine will and purpose came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them said, Agabu stood up and prophesied through the Holy Spirit that a great and severe famine would come upon the whole land. And this did occur during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29. So the disciples, please follow, the disciples resolved to send relief, each according to his several ability in proportion as he had prospered. To the brethren who lived in Judea. Now, go to verse 30. So they did, sending their contributions by the elders, by the hand of Barnabas and Paul. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, 2, and 2. This is where they gave. Now, concerning the money contributed to the relief of the saints, God's people, you are to do the same as I directed the churches of Galatia to do. Verse 2. He said, on the first day of each week, let each of you personally put aside something and save it up as he prospered in proportion to what is given so that no collections will need to be taken after I come. This was a challenging time in one of the churches. There was famine everywhere and the people were giving. And the Bible said they gave willingly and joyfully to meet the need. So we sometimes also give to meet needs. The offering we are about to take on the fourth is to meet the needs of instruments we need in the house. Praise God. It's one of the reasons why sometimes we also give. Now, a lot of us, almost everybody has quoted Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 before. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, before all your needs will be supplied, you must make sure all the kingdom needs are met. Can somebody say an amen? amen? That's how it's done. That's how it gets done. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to 19, I'll close with, I'll close after this. But as it was right and commendable, this is New Living Translation, please. It was right and commendable. Now, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. This is Paul speaking. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No church did this. Verse 16, he says, even as when I was in Thessalonica, he sent more than once. Verse 17, he said, I don't say this because I want to give from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Verse 18, he says, and at the moment, see, I have all I need. Did you see that? All the things Apostle Paul needed to run the ministry, they made available through their, their offerings. He said, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gift you sent with Epiphroditus that they are a sweet smelling sacrifice. That is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now look at how he ends it. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. When they make sure all the things he needed were met for the ministry, he said, God will supply all your needs. We have the same opportunity. Praise God. God is giving us the same opportunity. 
You can decide. Those of us who are blessed enough, you can decide to watch and let this microphone be disturbing. Or you can decide that out of the blessings of God in your life, you will give to advance the cause of the kingdom. Praise God. Whichever way you do is your choice. But I've always told you, God has always been faithful. He says, even if we deny him, yet he abided faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's more than enough to meet his needs. But he limits himself so we can be partakers of the blessings. That's why that opportunity is given you. And that's why I'm doing this step-by-step -step teaching to prepare you and to help you to do something that would position you for a change and a new chapter financially. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. Give me a believing amen. amen. Alright. Maybe you are here this morning. You want to say, Pastor, I want to be born again. I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to begin a brand new walk with God. I want to be a child of God. I want to start a brand new walk with God. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to say, Pastor, I want to I feel that I must become a brand new person. I sense it. This is my moment. I want to be changed. I want to be saved. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. God bless you, my dear sister. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Say this after me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for today. I admit I'm a sinner. And I call unto you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. With my mouth, I confess that you are my Lord. With my heart, I believe. Thank you for saving me, redeeming me, and making me your own. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for their souls that are saved and kept eternally secured. Thank you, Lord, that nothing shall be able to take them away from your presence. Bless their lives. Increase them. Establish them in you. Thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' matchless name. And the saints of God shouted an amen. Amen. Pastor Fuaqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Fuaqua, please call 540 or 204 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Fuaqua on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ama Ejakuma Plaza. Opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you. Oh,